0: Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, as we finish up this chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 18 this evening. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 18, as we look at death and life, death and life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 18. I said in my heart, Concerning the state of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, they might see that, that they themselves are beasts. For, they, for that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them, as one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go into one place, all are of the dust. All and all return dust again who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth wherefore i perceive that there is nothing better that a man should rejoice in his own works for that is his portion who shall bring him to see what shall be after him father we thank you again for this time thank you for allowing us to take these moments here these few fleeting moments on this wednesday night to gather around as brothers and sisters of Christ and to focus on your word, to hear the words of this preacher who at the end of his life had some important things to say through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Help us by the grace of God. Illumine these things to us, these truths. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of them and may they sink down into our ears. We pray, God, you'd help us to grasp them and to learn something from them that will help us In our daily lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt in my mind that what Solomon was trying to portray or say had a lot to do with his own life, and of course, he wanted to leave something to his son. Solomon, if you could look at his life, you'd have to say it's full of some of the best of times and some of the worst of times. Some of the best of times is God came to him and asked him that very important question that we looked at what, what would you like me to do for you? And, of course, Solomon said, give me an understanding heart. He didn't ask for gold. He didn't ask for nobility. He didn't ask for position. He didn't ask for praise. He didn't ask for property. He asked for an understanding heart. That, like his father, he could govern the people that was his responsibility. And So God blessed him in a great way. He was the wisest man that ever, wisest man that ever walked the earth. And we looked at that in the past. We see the tragedy of his life, of course, because of the decisions he made as he was getting older up in life. And I believe his pride is often one of the worst sins of men, especially in our older days, is the pride of life. And because of that, he didn't listen to the instruction. Some of that, which he already wrote, he wrote many of the things that he did not even perceive. And that just goes along to tell you the pride of a man, pride of us all that we know better we just don't always do better because of that he his heart was destroyed his heart was moved by many foreign women and God took his kingdom from him ultimately and would divide divided into two kingdoms so I believe here as I mentioned before he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this journal these, these words to Portray to his son. And some of them, as we looked already in these three chapters, they're pretty brutal. They're, pr- they're pretty tough. I mean, basically, it's like life is difficult, and that's on a good day. <laughs> it's kind of like life is hard, and then you die. Put that on your mug. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are some tough words, and this is, remember, a man who's lived many years. He's under the sun. He's struggled being out of God's will. So the things that he says are hard for us. They're not the easiest things for to grasp. This is not first John. This is not first Peter. This is not Jude. This is not Revelation. These are these these are these are these are difficult words who a man who's a man who's been burnt, who's been hurt, who's been bitter, who's known love, who's known sorrow. He's been through all these things, and at the end of it, he's writing these words. I believe particularly to his son, Rehoboam. So let's pick off where we left off last time, if we can. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 18, I said in my heart concerning the state of the sons of men that God might manifest them, and they might see that they themselves are beasts. What are some observations that we can learn from this passage of Scripture this evening? First of all, that death is impartial. Death is impartial. Whether you are a CEO or where you're an OEC, <laughs> whether you work at McDonald's or downtown Manhattan, whether you are on the top of life and all is fine and dandy, as you said in the, in the South, you're, you're living in high cotton, or you're in the dumpster of life and it's bad, and it's sad, it's only going to get worse for you. There is one equalizer. That is death. If not for the rapture of the church, which I hope comes tonight, we're all going to die. And nothing can change that. Nobody in this room knows anybody that's 200 years old. Nobody probably knows anybody that's 125 years old. If the Lord doesn't come to get us in the rapture of the church... We're all going to die. It doesn't matter. Dogs die, cats die, people die. We, we all die. It's, it's, and that's what he's saying. Death is, death is impartial, it's coming. God and his sovereignty, especially because of the fall of man, has, have made us to the place where we live for a certain amount of time and then we die. Some, we've lived, we live a little longer now because of modern medicine that, than we, that a lot of people do. And, and if you look at the, the age of death, in some countries it's a lot lower because of lifestyle, because of lack of uh, care, because of lack of medicinal help. Uh, it's interesting if you do studies about that. But ultimately, we're all going to die. What is your perspective about that? Are you prepared to die? That's something that should be always on our mind. Am I ready? If today was my last day, would I be ready for it? And as a Christian, really, there should be no fear in death. There should be no fear at all. Because Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We just go from this place to that. For us, it is the greatest of things. It is, it, this is This right here is the closest to hell you'll ever be if you're a Christian. But for the unsaved, this is the closest to heaven that will ever be. And that's why we need to be telling people about Jesus, because this is the best they'll have. And though it is good at times, it is nothing compared to heaven. And it sure isn't anything compared to hell, what they're about to face. One person said, who wasn't a Christian, it's his, this is his perspective. I realize I'm going to die and forever cease to exist. My life is just a momentary transition out of oblivion into oblivion. And the universe, too, faces death. Scientists tell us that the universe is expanding. Everything in it is growing farther and farther apart. Eventually, all the stars will burn out and all the matter will collapse. And the dead stars and black holes. Mankind is doomed, a race dying in the in the terrible universe because the human race will eventually cease to exist it makes no ultimate difference whether it did exist or not mankind is thus no more significant than a swarm of mosquitoes or a barnyard of pigs for their end is all the same well that's a bleak perspective isn't it voltaire some over 300 years ago said we are insects we are insects for living in a few seconds of atoms of mud. What's the difference between a beast and a man? This is my good friend, Bill Wolf, who I rode motorcycles with. He's from from Minnesota. His dog, Cooper. What's the difference between a man and a beast? Well, both man and beast have a physical presence, right? We both take touch, can be felt, can hear, see, smell. Both have physical presence. Secondly, both men and beasts have a soul. That's our cat. He has a personality, trust me. He has a particular personality. He is a way. He is a way. He soon, he'll, he'll be, he's usually on the dresser looking at me, down looking at me while I'm studying during the day. But it's just as soon as my wife gets into the room, he jumps down. Hoping that she will pet him. He's, he has that way about it. Yeah, but the personality changed throughout time. But beasts have a soul. What's a soul? The soul is who you really are. It's your personality. Everybody has a different personality, right? Everybody has a way, a, a, a temperament, you may call it. And thirdly, a beast doesn't have a spirit. The spirit is what you and I have that connects us to the spiritual realm. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 23, 46? Jesus had a cry. uh, when When Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So I believe, and some people may disagree, that we're triune. Body, soul, and spirit. A beast doesn't have a spirit. I don't believe a beast has that ability. Now, some... Animal lovers would probably argue with me, but I don't believe they have that connection, that they don't, you know, have a choice of salvation. or go. I'm not saying that animals won't be in heaven. I believe, they w- I believe they will be in heaven. I believe animals will be in heaven. But I don't believe they have a spirit. Verse 19, again, it says here, For which befalleth the sons of man befalleth beasts, and every one befalleth them. As one dies, so doth the other. yea. They all one breath, so that man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all his vanity. We're all insects, as I mentioned, living for a few seconds on, on atoms of mud, Voltaire said. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Recognize that couple? That baby they have? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of ground, and breathed in his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man is different because God created man. We're different from an insect. We're different from animals. We're different. God made us for a purpose. We didn't didn't come from a big explosion. We didn't come from a monkey. We're created for a real, for, for, for a purpose, for a distinct purpose by a divine creator. That's why we're different from animals. We're different from insects. We're different. We're different. Second observation is death is a promise. Death is a promise. First, death is impartial, and death is is a promise. It's going to happen. Verse 20, all go to one place. All are of the dust, all men, and all turn to dust. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Death is impartial. Death is a promise. There's no way of getting around it. There's no way of escaping it. Does it make a money, how much money you have? Does it make a difference how good you are? Does it make a difference your nobility? Does it make a difference how talented you are? Does it make a difference how educated you are? The reality is, it's it is a promise. Verse twenty-one: Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward unto the earth? Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty-seven promises: As a man appointed. Is appointed to man, unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Every person who's ever been born is going to die or be raptured, but every person who's ever been born is going to stand before God at a judgment. For us as Christians, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, other places, there's a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ, where we rewarded are not rewarded or because of our deeds in this life. But there's gonna be another judgment for those who do not know Jesus Christ. It's called the White Throne Judgment. Every person who's rejected Jesus Christ, you find this in the book of Revelation, every person who's rejected Jesus Christ will stand before God with the great, the small, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, if they've rejected Jesus Christ, they will stand before the, the white throne judgment of God in that, in that place, there'll be a judgment. Be, they'll have a book there. I'll be, one book will be the Bible. The other book will be the book of life. And they will, they will, they will, from that place, they will recognize that their name is not in the book of life. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. So there's going to be two judgments. If you know Christ, you'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. If you don't know Christ, you'll be at the white throne of judgment. But every person will be judged. Now, you know what one, one of the first things that people struggle with as Christians, or even non-Christians, people say, I don't like to be judged. You hear this? And there's very, and one of these days I'm going to preach on this. I haven't, I haven't yet, but I'm going to preach on, I think it's, it's in Matthew, I believe it is. Uh, it says, judge, judge not that you be not judged. But a lot of people misinterpret that whole verse. Now, I won't go into it, but... There's a lot of misinterpretation in that. But everybody, oh man, I don't want people to judge me. Dear friend, don't you know the Bible says that we as Christians are going to judge angels? We're going to judge angels someday. You're going to be judged. Everybody is judged. It's part of life. It's part part of life. What, What Solomon is saying here, In this verse, verse 21, Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? In other words, who knows the details about life after death? Even for us as Christians, as we read the Bible, there's not a whole lot of detail about heaven, is there? We read about some of the dimensions of it, which we've talked about. But for our service, we know we're going to be in the millennial kingdom. We know based on to whom much is given, much is required to the degree we serve and are loyal and faithful here to the degree we'll be able to serve and are faithful in the millennial kingdom. But when we have a new heaven, a new earth, there's not a whole lot of discussion in the scriptures about what we'll actually be doing. But whatever it is, I tell you, it's going to be good. I look forward to it. But the Bible says in even Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it, as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. A second rhetorical question that we find in verse 22, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? In other words, who has the power to make life after death possible? Who has the ability to give someone life after death so they can see beyond the death to see the experiences of eternal life? And of course, that on, the only person that can do that is God. God. Psalm 4. 49, verse 15, But God redeemed my soul from the power of the grave. He will receive me. Selah, think about it. Of course, the very common passage, the common well known passage in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35, Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. We're looking for something better. The writer of Hebrews talks about that better country. We're anticipating that better country. The question is what have we done with the life that God has given us now? What are you doing with this life that He has given to you? Are you using it? Are you taking it like a wash rag and squeezing every drop of water out of it? Or are you letting the days just pile up one by one by one by one and wasting them? What are you doing with this? Every moment, every day is precious. What are you doing with this thing called life? You only have one shot at it. It's not like a video game. Video game, you die. Maybe you have to wait for a little bit. Then you press a button. You start again. But this life is only—you only got—you only, got only got one one shot. Only one life to soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are you doing with this life? He said, "Well." Oftentimes, I think we compare ourselves, well, I can't do what so-and-so does. No, dear friend, you might not be able to what so-and-so does, but you, every Christian can do something. Somebody comes. Sometimes people come to me and say, Preacher, I can't do this and I can't do that, but I can pray for you. And I stop them and I say, Dear friend, if you pray for me, I'm thankful for your prayers. I'm thankful that you take the time out of your day to pray. I appreciate it. Thank you for that. That's a holy work. What are we doing with this life? Ecclesiastes, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the vent, or who shall bring him to see what shall suffer after him? We read that. First of all, in this life, enjoy the the life that God has given you. We could say anything about this passage. Enjoy the life that God has given you. Whether you're Whatever you're doing in whatever stage of life it is, enjoy it. Be thankful for it. Are you grateful for it? When you get up in the morning, do you thank God for the, for the opportunity he's given you to serve him? It's a gift. It's a gift. Don't bemoan it. Don't be sad about it. Don't regret it. Be thankful. Have a thankful heart. Have an attitude of gratitude. Some of you in your child raising years, be thankful for that because there's a day when you won't be raising kids anymore. Talk to the folks who don't have kids to raise anymore. Some of you are are out of the child raising and and you look at them like, man, I can't. No, be thankful. Whatever stage or or place you are, be thankful for where you're at and be grateful for for where you're at. I heard a man just recently say, be thankful for every day you have with your children. So the last two nights I spent with my daughter playing pickleball. And I feel it, trust me, I feel it. (laughs) Why? Because, hey, the day's coming. She won't be playing pickleball with Dad. She'll be playing with some handsome young beau, and Dad will be back there watching TV with with the cats. Enjoy enjoy it. Be thankful. What have you done with this life? Secondly, anticipate the place God has prepared for you. Anticipate the place God has prepared for you. He's prepared for you a wonderful place. He especially has designed it for you. do you, Do you think about that? Do you long for that? Do you desire that? I hope you do hope you do. Be focused and thankful for the mundane that you have even today, even if it is our food. Be thankful for our food. Be thankful for the things that God has given us. Be thankful you don't get up in the morning and, 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 and have troubles, and sometimes you don't have troubles. Be thankful for everything that you have now. But secondly, anticipate the places God prepared for you. One author by the name of David Paul Tripp said, I'm persuaded the whole purpose of camping is to make a person long for home. He says, the first day is in the woods putting up the tent, it's all exciting. But three days later, your, your tent has unpleasant odors and you can't explain it. You love the taste of food cooked over open fire, but three days later, you're tired of forging for wood and irritated how fast it burns. You're excited at the prospect of catching dinner from the stream running past your campsite, which is supposed to be teeming with trout, but all you've snagged are roots at the bottom. Now you're four days in. Your back hurts. There seems to be no more firewood to forage. You're tired of keeping the fire going anyway. You're tired of looking for it. You look into what was a once ice, once nice cooler with with a big steak in it. And because you forgot the, the it's gonna, the, the, you forgot that you let the 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 cooler door open. It's all melted and the steak is ruined. You pay too much for it. And now it's ruined, and all you can think about is your lazy boy and your nice hot bath and your shower? Fucking (laughs) old. You anticipate. Oh, dear friend, just like you anticipate home after being in camp for three or four days, anticipate heaven. Long for that. There's a day where there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more politics. There'll be nobody suing somebody or somebody suing somebody else. There'll be no more heartache and sorrow. And ultimately, God himself is going to wipe the tears from our eyes. It's going to be bliss. I look forward to that day. And the longer I live, the the more I long for heaven. Do you long for it too? And do you long for it so much that you want others around you to know it? I hope you do. The most important thing maybe we do in life is once we have the gospel, to share that good news. Sometimes by the sharing the gospel itself, and sometimes being so character-driven that people notice our life and say something is different about you, I wonder what it is. Whatever, however you share the gospel, and I hope you do throughout your week, dear friend, we ought to long for heaven, and we ought to make others around us long for heaven too. Our conversation ought not to be consumed with this world, but the next world. Our songs that we sing ought to be not focused on this small world, but that heavenly world. Our focus, our goals, our dreams, our delights, our pleasures ought to be upward, not downward. Are you consumed today with problems and perils? Are you consumed with all the troubles and trials and difficulties that seem to hog our time and our thoughts? Are you enjoying the time that God has given you down here on this earth? Are you thankful for the blessings and, that he's given you today? And are you anticipating what he has for you in the future? Oh, Father, we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, be mindful of you, to be thankful for you, to be grateful for every gift that is given to us. We know it's from, the, from you, every perfect gift gift is given from you so we thankful for life we thank you for the opportunities we have for the freedom we have in this time in this place to share the truths from the scriptures help us to be grateful help us to be thankful we may not moan and groan about the problems and pressures and perils of life but may we give have constantly consistently an attitude of gratitude and when we don't help us to recognize it admit it and change And God, give us a heavenly, a heavenly vision of what- Hi, I'm Skip West, founder and president of Max Innovations. We're here in my garage. Give us a mind to think about, to dwell on what life will be after this place. May we long for it so much that, that we willingly share with others the good news so that they too will long for it before it's too late. As the piano plays, maybe your heart has been heavy. Maybe you've, been, maybe you've been consumed with this life and the troubles and trials of this life, the struggles, the difficulties, the hardships, the sicknesses, the pain, the surgeries. Have you been consumed with them?